Welcome to the Tech Sales Show, dedicated to making you a better seller. Recorded 4,827 miles across the Atlantic Ocean with Bobby Das from Houston, Texas, a father, husband, golfer, pilot, and tech seller. And Brian Evans, an expat in London, England, family man, 2X Ironman, and an ERP salesman. Both sharing tried and true sales strategies and providing free tools to make each week and campaign easier for you. They also answer your questions weekly. Now, here is Bobby and Brian. Hey, hey, what's up, Brian? Hey, hey, Bobby, how are you? I'm great. Well, here we are, Series 1, Episode 1, our first real podcast. You know, when we first started talking about this, our mission was to make other tech sellers better, uh, and that's what we're doing. As you know, I'm just back from Paris and London, London visiting you and your family. Um, me and my family had a great time. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we loved having you guys out. Uh, the kids had fun. We had fun. Um, my Paris, I, I wish we would have gone there with you. That's my daughter's favorite spot to go to. She's 10 years old, so that's uh, very high on her list. I travel into London three, four days a week, but it never gets old. So I really, it was really good to have you guys out. I'm glad you and the family enjoyed it. Well, we sure did. I enjoyed watching my kids have this experience of seeing a different culture and world. I enjoyed it myself. First trip overseas for me personally. And uh, awesome. just can't think enough how lucky we are to be able to pick up and do these sorts of big trips with the family. Yeah, we're going to have to go out to Scotland next time. I know we talked about trying to squeeze that in, but we're going to have to make it work uh, if you come out this summer. I would love to. I'll bring the sticks if I can and play around a round of golf over there. That would be a dream come true for sure. Yeah, incredible. So I have to say your town is amazing. I loved Windsor. I, I uh, very jealous that you get to live over there. It's a really cool place. And as you mentioned, uh, London was great. I think my favorite part overall had to have been Going to the Eiffel Tower right around Christmas with my family was something yeah. special for sure. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible. Um, it was fun running around town together. I was we were talking about this when you were here. Uh, it's been three years, four years since we ran the Austin Marathon together. So it was good to get out in the Windsor Great Park. If you're not familiar, those listening aren't familiar with the Windsor Great Park, look it up. It's uh, five thousand acres. It's uh, I think it was designed by Queen Victoria back a long time ago. It's 5,000 acres. It gets dark early out here. That's the one downside of of being this far uh, north. I don't know if that's latitude or longitude, whatever that is. But uh, it gets dark a bit early, but the Great Park is incredibly safe, given that the Queen lives here. Uh, it's been a strange adjustment for me, that's for sure. It was fun. It was dark, but uh, I enjoyed running with you as well. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've ran 26, but uh, the wife and I are running 13.1 in just a few days now. Yeah, that's great. I'm getting amped up too. Uh, I've got the London Marathon coming up in April. So you guys feeling good about it? Yeah, we are. This is pretty much a rest week for us. I think we've done enough training, so uh, we should be good to, to truck it through 13.1 in Houston. Let's hope it's not a thousand percent humidity and is a little bit cool we should be just fine yeah well good luck with that for sure uh like i said really enjoyed it so all right enough let's jump right into it bobby uh let's talk a bit about our first series and what can listeners expect sure so hopefully everyone listened to our first podcast that we recorded last week when i was with you in windsor 
you know, the goal of this podcast and what Brian and Bobby are putting together for everybody really is tips and tricks and methodologies, a collection of strategies, as we call it, to make everybody a better tech seller. We'll share ideas and goals and all kinds of things with you throughout each podcast. But this week, we're doing a very specific podcast series around impeccable first meetings. And this this will be made up of four podcasts that we're going to release over the next four weeks, each on a Monday. And the goal is to make you much, much more better than average. Um, and again, if you think about first meetings and, and your level of pre- preparation for those, we hope that you're much better after you listen to these four podcasts and you get some of the stuff we give along the way. Yeah. I mean, the like I said, the aim of this is to um, help everyone to be better sellers. We, we work in an outstanding industry and uh, we aim for perfection. And the aim of this is to really help people improve that first meeting. So, Bobby, when you get your account list, you're looking at uh, all the new prospective customers that you could be selling into and you're thinking through the list and you're putting your marketing plans together and all that kind of good stuff. You've got some dedicated inside sales resources that are hammering the phones. Uh, you're sending out emails, trying to get meetings with these customers and um, you're all trying to book that first meeting uh, with the customer. And then you book the first meeting, let's say it's three weeks out. You're so excited. First week goes by, second week goes by, you've not done any planning. Finally, you get to the week of the meeting now you're sitting in their lobby and you've not done any preparation for that meeting. You're doing it in real time. It's, it's terrible preparation. You and I have been guilty of it ourselves and we see it all the time, right? No doubt. And we talk about it. You're going to hear it as a listener of ours that that's average at best. And we totally believe that average is the enemy. And how do we become a lot more better than average? So we have been there and it happens to all of us. But if we, if you listen and, sh- and get our steps from this series, hopefully you'll be much more better than average. In this first episode, we're going to focus on the research and preparation for meeting the people that you're going to meet in that first meeting. From researching the companies to researching the people. During this first week, we're going to go and, and give away a few things too. It's going to be a meeting checklist is what you're going to get on Wednesday. And if you Good follow stuff. this checklist, you'll, you'll prepare like a pro. Yeah, this has been great. Uh, we've, we've, you and I have put this checklist together. Uh, it's a combination of the work that you and I have done together over the years. Uh, it's been fantastic for me to kind of use the collective knowledge that you've had and used and uh, have it as a single template for me to use in my everyday business. So it's been great for me. So that'll be kind of the first episode we'll cover today. The second episode, we're going to help uh, everyone with setting goals for the meetings. So it's great to be prepared and know the business and know the people that you're talking to. So let's we're going to talk in the next episode about uh, how do you define the, the goals for these meetings? How do you share these goals with your team to make sure that you get the most out of this meeting? Yep. And then in episode three, we're going to dive a little bit deeper into the preparation steps that we think you should go through. And while we have shown you how to research people and research companies, we're going to give you a tool that might help you do that a little bit, a little bit by yourself faster uh, at the middle of that week as well. And we will wrap the series with making sure everyone's got access to all the freeze tools together. We want to get your feedback. 
throughout the way. So tell us what you like about it, what you don't like. Tell us to add stuff, subtract stuff, and so forth. So, Bobby, with all that being said, we've kind of laid out the uh, template and goals for the series. Let's get started. Let's do it. So again, today we're kicking off the series called Impeccable First Meetings. And we're going to try and teach you how to research companies, how to research people, and we're going to teach you how to prepare the whole team for these meetings as well. Yep. So those are the key things to do in preparation for that first meetings. Uh, we've seen, like I said before, good prep, bad prep. Yes, we have. There's no doubt. And I think along the way, we should definitely share some uh, some stories. We've got some fun ones. We'll protect the innocent here, but we've got some fun uh, stories uh, that we'll talk about. Sounds like a plan. Why don't you kick us off with the approach for how to research a company, Brian? Great. So this is, uh, again, all for about the first meeting. And we all know what people say about first impressions. So for this first meeting, I'm going to do quite a bit of work. Um, it's going to vary, right? Some, For some companies, a, you know, a large company, one that's a particularly good fit, uh, that could be two hours worth of prep time. Sometimes it's just 30 minutes. It's, you know, obviously your miles are going to, you're going to vary here. Uh, and all of this again is going to be in the meeting checklist, which will be out on Wednesday. Great. Walk us through each step that you take. Yeah. So some of these are going to be very obvious, Bobby. Some of them are going to be a bit more nuanced and they won't be as relevant for every meeting, but why don't we start and kind of talk through the uh, low end, the high end. So uh, we've all, researched companies' websites, that's the most obvious place to start. Uh, for me, I, I live in the UK, so a company here doesn't mean as much as it did in the US. I don't necessarily recognize all the names, so I want to make sure that we're on pay, on the same page and we're talking about the exact same company. Um, I, I want to understand what message they're trying to tell us on the website. You know, they've hired these specific marketing firms and developers to tell a very specific message. What is that message they're trying to tell us that will tell us a lot about how we might sell to them. The second thing I'm looking for, and this is incredibly important to me is I want to know if they're private or publicly held. If they're privately held, then it's going to be a bit more challenging to get financial data. It's probably closer to 50, 50. There's a number of variables that, might require them to release some certain financial data or annual report data out to the public, even if they're privately held. So it's worth navigating through their website, doing a bit of searching to uh, to find some financial information on even a privately held company. If they're publicly held, that's where you'll find a treasure chest to be publicly held. That is for people to be able to invest in you and just in the open stock market. Uh, they've got to release a ton of financial data. They've got to release their board of directors, their ownership structure, um, their business initiatives, their risks. There's just hundreds of pages of data out there. And you don't have to read all hundreds of pages of it, but there's a ton of information out there. I want to understand where they're headquartered. And we've got some funny stories that we'll tell in this this uh, the upcoming podcast around the headquarters and why that matters. Uh, I want to understand if, if, if I'm meeting in a, with a company in London, is this the London headquarters? Is this the global headquarters? It's going to matter where they're going to make the buying decisions. All that's going to matter. <clears throat> I want to read about their About Us page. If, if, you know, if we feel like we're a good fit, I want to match our themes as a business to their themes. Uh, this is one you've taught me. If, they've, if they're a tech company, do they have an app? Um, is their website creative? I want to understand 
their technical aptitude as a business. And then the final thing I'm looking at is the social media pages, uh, you know, with Houston and all the, the floods and the challenges you guys had last year. There were an, an incredible amount of information that Houston-based companies released about their the social work they were involved with. And knowing that is incredibly important as you engage with these companies. No doubt. The social media, web pages, sites, apps, those those messages are exactly what that company wants the public to hear about them. It's how they want to be perceived, whether it's all true or not, meaning that might not be how everybody perceives them, but that's the story they're trying to tell. Obviously, all those things you just mentioned, just about the company research, could take anywhere from 20 minutes to a few hours. But I think the key is that based on the checklist and the items you're sharing, if, if you do the work, if you become a student of their business, you'll be much more knowledgeable and ready to sell to them than 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 the average rep you mentioned public versus private um tell us a little bit about what we would do different to research a public company than maybe a private company yeah so a public company uh as i mentioned has to release financial data a lot of times they do that in the form of a 10k or annual report so it's going to be a comprehensive summary of financial data it's going to have uh, detailed information about the structure of their company, um, investments that they're making in the business, which could directly tie to what your sales initiative is. They may talk about they see see security risks or they were exposed to security risks. Those things are almost always announced in their 10K and can help you build a narrative as to why you might be a good fit for them. Uh, talk about their strengths for the upcoming years. Uh, you can search for keywords. I do that all the time. If there's a certain item I'm looking for, I'm interested in about them, I'll do just a search on their annual report so I can keep from having to read 200 pages. But it, the net of it is it's always good information for sellers. And when I'm leading a pursuit team for ERP type sales, it's a homework assignment for the team that works with me on the engagement. I'm not asking them to read all 200 pages, but they've got to read the first few pages of that report. No question. Good stuff. And a recent story for me was oil and gas in Houston is not doing great. I'm a technology seller. Yep. Very few big investments are being made. More keeping the lights on kind of stuff. And I, I did this, this, researched them, read their 10K all my peers, all my coworkers were saying there's no way they're going to spend any money. They're not making any investments. And literally the first, call it big bullet on their 10K about the next year and what the outlook should be, was that they were going to make significant investments in technology to be better than their competitors. And what better statement to use in a sales meeting, selling technology, than your CEO saying you guys are going to make investments. How can I help and uh, be the differentiator with them uh with the path forward for sure. Yeah, it beats, it beats like we've all been with the sales guy and I've even been the sales guide where I'm sitting in their lobby and I, I've prepared nothing for the meeting or the account executive has prepared nothing for the meeting. So you end up walking back to their office or the meeting room and you, you, you give some meaningless chat chit chat about how, man, it looks like your company goals are really strong or wow, what a great view you have from the office. It's such a throwaway, stupid comment. Versus like what you said, hey, I see this is important to you. You've announced this is a, you, how you want to differentiate yourself in a marketplace. It's such a more fruitful conversation. No question. So let's assume there's some people out there that want to learn and be better at doing this. 
how can we teach them? How can we help them get started reviewing the 10K? Yeah, why don't we just jump right into one of these and then we'll post it on the blog so you can see step by step um, how we're doing this. We'll pick a couple of examples. Let's start with uh, Southwest Airlines. And if you're not familiar with them, they're a regional airline company in the United States. They're on the New York Stock Exchange and their symbol is LUV. I, I'm a dedicated user of Google Finance and the, the URL is finance.google.com or finance.google.co.uk for my UK friends. So you type in NYSE colon love, or you can just usually type in Southwest Airlines and it'll net you out to the same location. Once you're here, straight away you can see what they're currently trading at, what their stock or share price is. The first items I'm looking at whenever I hit their websites is I'm, I'm going to stretch out and zoom the report to go to cover five years. So I can see here for Southwest Airlines, they've been on a pretty steady increase. And at five years, going back to 2013, 2014, they've had significant growth. You could stretch this all the way out and look back 20 years here and see just the tremendous run that Southwest Airlines has is, is, is been on. And if you go meet with a company like Southwest Airlines, you want to know this stuff. On the right side, always great stuff, but it's not going to be as up to date. Uh, well, it's going to be very up to date. It's not going to always have good historicals, but you can see all the news. So if there's something you know, really recent or interesting going on, you'll find it right there on the right side, but don't trust it to be any more than a, about a week old. Uh, you know, everything there is going to be very recent stuff. Uh, the, the annual report is going to be far more interesting than the news there on the right. And so uh, real quick, yep. while you're talking through that, yep. let's assume uh, we're looking at their stock and the, the financial information and it's been on a big decline. What would that tell you about your efforts to go sell to them? Well, I'm I'm always trying to think about what the narrative is going to be. If if Southwest Airlines had been on a decade long decline, I'd think about it a lot about the way you thought of the energy company. You could have made the assumption that energy they're struggling in Houston. They just you guys just got crushed by the weather and the flooding and everything else. You could have made the assumption that uh, yeah, it's not worth it. Let's just let's pack it in. Let's call it a day. Or you could. Or you could choose to read the annual report and learn that a company that's been experiencing a decade-long decline just got taken over by a new ownership group. And that ownership group wants to invest $10 million in technology to compete against uh, one of their big competitors in the marketplace. So I, I think I think context is everything when it comes I, to looking at the stock price. I often tell my peers, coworkers, partners, whoever – no one's trying to go out of business. You know, it's not, yeah. there's not a single company, especially a public company that is not trying to grow, increase their revenues, increase their margins, add back to the net profit column so that they can spend money to make money. Uh, and there's always an opportunity. It just might not be as obvious. Everyone's chasing the obvious ones. I almost want to find the diamonds in the rough. Yes, of course. Of course. It's, I completely agree. Completely agree. So, the, the last thing I look on this on this intro page, again, finance.google.com, if you're following along with us, um, I look at the related companies. This is always interesting because I want to know, there's some uh, some analytics that Google uses, I'm sure, to, to do these comparisons with. They're not always perfect, right? 
But you can see here that that Southwest Airlines, their market cap is over $30 billion, U.S. dollars. And if you compare them to regionals like JetBlue, um, Spirit Airlines, I don't even know if they're in the States. These are really popular kind of low-budget UK-type airlines. They probably do exist in the U.S., but yep. I'm familiar with them over here. Uh, you can see Delta Airlines, they're close in terms of market cap. American Airlines, it, who would have thought? I, I, If you would have asked me an hour ago, I would have told you that American is a more valuable company than Southwest, but it's not. It's good good stuff to know. If I'm going to sit down with Southwest Airlines, I want to know that you're the big dog of the two Dallas-based airline companies. That's important information to know. So related companies is always a place I spend a little bit of time to learn more about them. So how about uh, a different this, like a company that's not like them? I mean they've they've had yep. this multi-decade year positive run. I think the government's bailed out the airlines a couple times. Some there's some hidden information there. Um, what give me another example of of research and some some of the gems you might see? Yeah, so let's do how about uh, Box. This is a bit more uh, nuanced. This is a fun company. I like actually they're. Uh, Andrew Levi is their CEO. He's a good follow on Twitter uh, if you guys use Twitter. So it's NYSE colon box. And if you look at their stock, you stretch it out to five years, you can see they've had a bit of a dip and a growth again. You can see box is a really interesting one. If you look at the related companies here, they're up against Microsoft. Well, first of all, if you don't know box, think of box as like a I'm oversimplifying their business grossly. They would hate this, but they basically they're a storage company, a cloud storage company. Um, similar to more, like a Dropbox, no pun yeah. intended. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Very similar to a Dropbox. They differentiate themselves a bit more than Dropbox because they do kind of more. They focus more on mid enterprise and large enterprise uh, type organizations. So they've got kind of a, a document platform too. Okay. So because of that, Google has aligned them against Microsoft. Google, Citrix, Salesforce, IBM, all these major players. So if you look at Box, they're roughly a $3 billion market cap company up against big old Microsoft who could swallow them with a month's net income, uh, could swallow Box. Same with, uh, with Google, also known as Alphabet here. So you can see that they're not a major company, but let's jump into their financials and see why box is an interesting one. So Brian, I want to interrupt you there. You say they're yep. not a big company, but $3 billion, they're not a big company compared to Microsoft. But if they spend 1% of their revenues on IT, that'd be a $30 million IT budget. Something yeah. you should know. It's a, it's a great point. And there are so many of these types of companies out there. Um, you can consider a box a diamond in the rough from that, from that perspective. So let's look at their financials. So this is the second thing I do whenever I'm profiling a, a company that's publicly traded. On the left side underneath company, you can see financials. The first thing I switch it to here is from quarterly to annual because I want to see the last whatever number of years they publish uh, in terms of uh, financial data. You can see that going back to 2014, and this is all in, in – uh, in millions of US dollars. They were a $124 million company back in 2014. They're now nearly a $400 million company today. That's incredible growth as a company. Now, 
what's more challenging about a company like Box is if you go down to net income, starting in 2014, they lost nearly $170 million in net income. And you could see that was relatively flat in 2015. It grew to $200 million they lost in 2016. But in 2017, they only lost $151 million. So basically, they're making more top-line revenue. They're losing less money. And for these cloud-based tech companies, worry far less. I mean, unless you're an investor yourself and want to uh, make some decisions that way, uh, then by all means. But when you're looking at them as a prospect and they're a cloud-based company, expect there to be net losses. So those are kind of some, some core things that I'm looking at whenever uh, I'm evaluating a financial company. A company's financials. Yeah, and there's no reason with all the information that you've just described that someone doesn't go in very well prepared to talk to a customer. Yep, no doubt. And if you, it's very easy to find their financial reports too. So if you go to, if you search for Box Financial Reports, and I'll do that real quick. Hang on just a second. They've got a whole website dedicated straight to this. I'll link it to it on our blog. So the homework that I mentioned before that I'll have the pursuit team do as I'm looking at their most recent annual report in pages two and three, it's a quick read. It wouldn't take anybody on your pursuit team more than 10 minutes to read this. There's some incredible information in here that's not on their website, unless you probably dug around deep. The second paragraph says we ended the year with over 71,000 customers, including 64% of the Fortune 500. Uh, bringing on or expanding amazing brands like Pfizer, Airbnb, Autodesk, Southwest, there we go, Southwest Airlines, Sony Music, and more. So think about if you, Bobby, if you'd sold to Autodesk or if you had contacts at Autodesk, think about all the interesting conversations or things you could discuss to them as a as a prospect to build a bridge, to, to know more about them and to know more about their goals. No question. And, and I, I'll just say I skipped a little bit ahead in their 10K and, and I'm on page nine and it talks about the competitive nature of their industry and talks about some of the competitive factors that they think about and or worried about, I would think. And it's their low cost, low cost, quick deployment, depth of integration and enterprise applications, current and forward thinking product development. These are the words that they're telling their investors it sure would be wise for a sales rep selling tech to know this stuff before they walked in to meet with the customer. Yeah, expect it. Don't think it's just going to be a bunch of high-level financial data and percentage ownership. This will talk very specifically about security risks, about failed ERP projects. How do you think that's how that stuff gets out in the marketplace when when a major ERP vendor screws up a implementation? That's That stuff lands on the annual report and... That it's, it's valuable data. It's things that you should definitely know. Um, again, you can't, no one's going to dive into 200 pages worth of these annual reports for a, a meeting with a company that you may not even think is in your wheelhouse. But if it's a valuable meeting, somebody you spent inside sales resources on, you built those Pulitzer Prize winning emails that you sent off to all the directors and VPs, isn't it just worth an hour or two just to, to get a little bit sharper on the business? Yeah, it, it should be worth a couple of hours. And with the internet today, there's no reason you don't know quite a bit about each individual you're going to meet with as well. I think early on when I was first starting, a coach or mentor of mine would say, hey, when you get in their office, find something, a knickknack, a, a putter in the corner and talk about that. So they must be a golfer or they might have a model car or a picture of their family where their daughter or son might be riding a horse. Try to talk about those things. Well, 
that's like in the past. And maybe you have that opportunity to meet in their office and could still do some of that. But with LinkedIn, you should be way ahead of that before you ever get to their office. Um, I use myself as an example. With less than 20 minutes of searching time, you should know that I'm a pilot, that I was a police officer, and then my wife's a breast cancer survivor. Heck, you might be able to figure that out in the first two minutes if you go look at my LinkedIn profile. None of those are like published in my headline or big callouts on LinkedIn, but if you did read about me and tried to really be a student of me, then you would find those things out for sure. Yeah, like I said, there's too much out there to not be prepared. It's it's lazy sales to walk into their office and say, oh, you got a putter? You play much golf? That's lazy sales these days. Of course, that's a comment that can be made as you go into their office. But it should have been, to your point, two or three things that you found on their LinkedIn profile. And I'm a guy that I'm a very introverted person, formally very introverted person. So for me, not having this stuff, it wouldn't have been natural or comfortable for me to find these things as I'm going into their office. But if I can be a few minutes prepped for it, then I can be so much uh, sharper uh, as I go in and talk to them. So you can use other tools. Uh, LinkedIn's a very obvious one. How about Facebook, Twitter, Instagram? I don't have an Instagram account, but I know that it's as popular, if not more popular than Facebook. Crunchbase is incredible from the guy at, the guys that made uh, TechCrunch. Quora is a fantastic application as well. Glassdoor. You're just even doing a Google search can yield some good information. No doubt. Uh, Google's a great source for anybody doing a little bit of searching. And you mentioned you don't have an Instagram account. Facebook bought them, so you have an Instagram account, I'm sure. Uh, okay. You might have to approve at some point along the way, but you probably have one. But let's stick with LinkedIn for right now, right? Review someone's picture. Often when I'm going to meet with someone, they don't have a picture. One, that's a bummer because I don't get to really relate to them when I first see them. But those that do have pictures, I see them all the time where it's a boy, it's a man that I'm going to meet with, and he's got his arm around a girl, but they cut the girl out, right? It's kind of like half picture. If they don't have a professional headshot, it probably tells you something about them, gives you an insight into them. Maybe that just means they're relaxed. Maybe that means their family's important to them. You could read into it, but think about what that picture would tell you. What about their highlights? Do you have any mutual companies or connections? It's not about walking in and saying, oh, I see we worked at this company together, but it's the people that you might have known together. It's the projects that you might have worked on together. You're trying to tie all these things together to be relevant and to become partners, hopefully to be able to do business together. If you review their experience and could discuss topics with them that related to both of you, it's gonna begin to build that trust uh, that you are in it with them and not trying to just be sales rep to customer. Um, I love the past companies where you might have overlapped or you might know people that worked at that company. It's always a good way to break the ice and a funny story comes up. So do your due diligence. Look beyond the big headlines, but also try and find reasons to have conversations. Yeah, I mean, how many times have you been in the middle of a long pursuit and a new stakeholder enters the uh, equation that you know the first concern we all have is oh man what if he or she came from a company that used the competitor's product and wants to push this competitor's product on them that's we're all worried about that situation because we've invested so much in the the pursuit or the sales cycle wouldn't you want to know that about the company that you're about to go sit down and talk to i've been in meetings um 
in my career, I'll just say over the past X number of years to where we walked in and didn't realize that the person we're sitting in front of at a VP level was somebody that was a raving fan of our technology at a previous company. But doesn't that change the entire meeting? Why wouldn't we have considered that or researched that? I put the blame as much on myself uh, than anybody. Bingo. I, I really believe that knowing that information benefits everybody, probably saves you a lot of selling time one, but can build almost an instant instant champion. And that's what I was saying when you look at mutual companies, they're not necessarily mutual companies that you both work for, but maybe it's mutual companies that you sell to today that are raving fans of your technology and you can bring that in. Or maybe they know Brian Evans who works with company ABC and has used our technology. Maybe they should reach out to them for an independent review. All those things make your meeting a whole lot better. You should continue to research their education Think about things that that means to them, meaning football season, meaning awards that school might have won. Maybe the school's in trouble right now and it's a topic of discussion. Um, Review their skills. That's where you would find I'm a pilot. Uh, You might find out that I wrote a book. You might find out a lot of little things about me that aren't, again, way out there, uh, but they're just not on the headline for Bobby Doss. What about recommendations? I think this is a good one. What do other people say about this person? We've all got our own recommendations. You've written one for me. I've written one for you. We probably approve those. We want them to be seen. But you wouldn't have said that stuff if it was made up. So you get you get to understand what people think about other people, um, their accomplishments, their interests, articles they've wrote. Real quick story, walked into a customer, wasn't going to spend any money. They literally just wrote an article on, on LinkedIn and published it about how the Internet of Things was going to change IT and change what they were doing as a, on a day-to-day basis. The fact that I had read that and was able to talk to him about that gave me the best opportunity ever to follow up, and we are ongoing in real opportunities today simply because I read that article and had something to talk about. Yeah, I've got an exact similar scenario. I, I, I'm a Twitter listener. I'm not a tweeter. Um, other than for the Bobby and Brian stuff. So I, I use it in more in listen mode and to consume news. Well, I was researching a company that had just flipped from privately held to publicly held. I followed one of the business leaders on Twitter. She posted, uh, no lie, one tweet that suggested they were looking at a system that I happened to be selling. Uh, smash cut 13 months later, and we'd sign a deal with them, a major global deal with them. Now, would would we have stumbled across it? Maybe, maybe not. Though uh, it was it was because of that tweet that I asked my inside sales team to engage and attempt to set up a meeting with them based off this blatantly obvious need. So, uh, again, whatever tools you're using, whether it's you doing it, whether it's your inside sales team doing it. There are some incredible tools out there that will help you uh, bring a full 360 circle uh, to your investigation and research for the people part of the business. Yeah, I think it's a future series, but as we think about how do I manage my territory and run my business, great tip to follow all your companies on Twitter, follow all of them on LinkedIn, follow them on Facebook. Just constantly get their feeds because you never know when you're going to find that gem like she posted on Twitter. Yep, no doubt it is. That tweet has been snipped and pasted right into Salesforce, and I love the story of we, the, the business I'm in, we're in sales cycles that are anywhere from you know, four months to two years, 
And I always love that first interaction and that, that we count that as our first interaction was that actual tweet. Awesome. So we've talked about researching the company. We talked about 10 K's. We talked about financials. We talked about the gyms in the 10 K. We talked about individuals. We talked about LinkedIn mostly, but we talked about a few other sources. Yep. Now what? Yeah. So now we got to make sure that our team knows our pursuit team our whether it's our inside sales team our solution consultants, whoever they may be, we got to make sure that our team knows what we know. We got to make sure that all the logistics are arranged. How many times, Bobby, have you shown up for a meeting? And I'll just say it wasn't your meeting. It was somebody else's meeting and the, they don't have a projector or their projector is from the 1970s or oh, it's to do Internet. If you need Internet access, we have to register through a system. And that's going to take about 20 minutes of unproductive meeting time. So we won't get into it too deep here. But the aim here in the next part of this is making sure that we have the logistics set and that they're arranged so that we can achieve the outcomes and the goals that we have for this upcoming meeting. Well, you named about three or four of my pet peeves, but one real basic pet peeve for me is to get a meeting request to a meeting that I'm supposed to go to. And it, in the location field, it says company ABC's offices. Oh, that's so lazy. It's I mean, so lazy. In Houston, that's probably one of four to five buildings. They might be yeah. close to each other, but they might be far apart. And sometimes I don't do my due diligence and look before I go, assuming they did better than average. And I have no idea where I'm even heading and don't know if I have enough time to really get there. So frustrating. So I'm sure it's happened, Brian, but have you ever gone to the wrong location for a meeting? Yep. I mean, this is a setup because we talked about it, but this is uh, one of the funniest stories and will protect his innocence because it's one of my best buddies in the whole world. Um, I was the sales manager. He was the account executive. We traveled to another state. We're from Texas originally. We went up to Oklahoma for three meetings. We had two days, one day of successful meetings with two customers. The second day, the first meeting was in Tulsa, Oklahoma. We pulled up to their office. We buzzed the front door. No one answered. Buzzed it again. No one answered. We got back into his rental car. We called them because no one answered at the, the front buzz desk there. We called the, the Tulsa location just to find out that the person we were meeting with was actually in Houston. So we actually showed up to the entire wrong state. I was a setup, and I do love that story, and I would love to not protect that innocent person, but uh, we will do that for his, his own edification. But it's a great story. You didn't even go to the wrong location. You went to the wrong city in the wrong state. Uh, and it's such a simple thing to put the right address with a suite number. And, and beyond that, this checklist we're going to provide you provides a lot of logistical information and, and kind of check boxes that you can check off to make your team really well prepared. What about, so we did the location and logistics, but what about, do they have a room large enough for everybody? How many times have you gotten there with two or three people and they go, oh, I didn't know you bring an army. Uh, I don't have a room large enough for everybody. And then you end up standing in the hallway outside of a guy's office or a girl's office and you're trying to talk and people are trying to reach around the corner to, to speak. You mentioned projector. What about cables for a projector? If it's ancient, then it's probably VGA only. And I haven't seen a laptop in a while with a VGA adapter. So what are you going to do? How are you going to play that? If you don't have the right adapters, you don't have the right cables. What about parking guidance? This one bites me a lot. Downtown Houston, Texas, bring bring a new person to a meeting at a building. They, they're familiar with the building, but oddly enough, they haven't parked around that building or in that building. So they end up making four loops around the building. Don't get there until one minute before they're supposed to. 
check in real quick, realize that they have to watch a security video. And again, 10 to 20 minutes of our productive times now wasted with this person just getting up to speed. So share security guidance with them. Uh, make sure they're coached on dress code. I got dozens of stories about uh, dress code not being met and people coming with the wrong thing. Um, big one for me too. If it's a first meeting, we've invested all this time and money and effort. Why not do a dry run before we have that meeting? Yep, no doubt. I mean, how many times have we been to a meeting that there's awkward handoffs, uh, points not being delivered in the meeting because there was no preparation or planning or the demo was not on point based on feedback they gave us a month ago. So there's so many of these things. We You've got to and, – and I can't remember them all either. I've been in hundreds of sales pursuits and – uh, that's what this checklist, that's what our aim is with this checklist, is to help provide you in one consolidated document everything you need for it to be a successful meeting. It'll be sharing with your teammates things like the address, parking guidance, security clearance, like you mentioned, dress uh, dress code, uh, scheduling the dry run, um, how to research company. All this kind of stuff is going uh, to be built into our uh, checklist here. Yeah, and as a pilot, I use checklists often, and it's just too important to not go through and do everything that's in this checklist it's basic it's easy the final little section in the checklist is to remind everybody that we are here to sell and we want you to have at least one goal for the meeting Um, many times that's to find pipeline but you can make that goal something bigger and better Um, you'll learn more about that next week in our in our podcast but what does success look like i mean if we build some relationship if we have a follow-up if we get them to commit to coming to an event have a, have, a, have a few things that the team knows that if we do these things, we the meeting will be a success. And then three desired outcomes is something I tell everybody. Whether you ask for an org chart, you ask for that follow-up meeting, you get them to commit to an executive briefing, the list goes on and on. And just so happens you'll be getting that list next week um, as, as a template for week two of this podcast series, about 50 goals and desired outcomes that you might want to choose from as you go set those goals for those meetings. I love it. It's going to be great brainstorming. Uh, it'd be a really thoughtful approach to uh, being a professional seller. That's what we all uh, aim to be and to achieve and to maintain. So everyone knows how to prepare for the first meeting, not being the average rep, averages the enemy, as we like to say. Uh, you just got to commit to doing it every time. Have a look at our templates. And we're here to help. We're here to take feedback, too. If you want to add, subtract, please share with us as we go through this. Perfect. So how do people get the meeting preparation checklist? So everyone can that's listening to this can go to bobbyandbrian.com, sign up for our, e- our email list every week. And that checklist, to your point, comes out on Wednesday. So we're going to, you know, podcasts will be out at the beginning of the week. And then in the middle of the week, we'll release the actual content as we collect feedback and build it into the templates. So you'll be able to download it at bobbyandbrian.com. Expect book reviews, tips and tricks every month that we add in here. You and I have read a lot of books over the years, some some sales books that we like, some sales books that we don't like. We're going to talk about both. We're not going to overwhelm you with emails. We're we're not going to be chatty. Uh, But... If the best way to stay in touch with us and to get access to this data is to sign up for our email list. And again, you get that by going to bobbyandbrian.com. Yep. The other way you can get a lot of the information is to follow us on Twitter as well, at Bobby Brian Sales. 
We'll post everything there as well, and you can consume it via Twitter if that's your preferred feed. Yeah, we want everyone to be really engaged. So the first uh, 10 emails with suggesting uh, topics or subjects, uh, that we'll send an email to info at bobbyandbrian.com. We'll have some tech sales show swag that we'll, that we'll get out to you as a thank you for listening. And uh, we'll also send some swag to the first 10 tweeters. So follow us at Bobby Brian Sales at Twitter and um, do a hashtag as uh, Average Sucks. And we'll be watching that uh, hash as well. Perfect. Looking forward to seeing everyone's comments and feedback. Series 1, Episode 2 will be out next Monday, January 15th. Until then, remember, Average is the enemy. Thanks for listening to the Tech Sales Show with Bobby and Brian. Subscribe to their email list by going to bobbyandbrian.com and follow them on Twitter at Bobby Brian Sales.